Welcome to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off. We're in the book of Genesis and we're at chapter 26. So let's begin with verse 1. I'm just going to have a sip of water and start. All right, here we go. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and Gerar. So we've seen this Abimelech um, character rise up before. Or, you know, it's occurred before. And uh, it's like when we read it in the last time about this person, the Abimelech. I think it's more like a title than a person's name. Um, like general or president or head of state or whatever the case may be. But um, it's uh, Abimelech again. So it may or may not be the one from the last time is the point. Um, it may be just the title. But if it is the same Abimelech, it, it could be. I don't think it is, but it could be. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. So clearly here we're still in Genesis and excuse me, the entity that's being identified as the Lord here is being is Jehovah again, if you look at the original translation, and uh, is apparently still having uh, interactions with humans, or at least certain humans at that time. Whereas that seems to have stopped, like in modern times, people don't seem to have those sort of direct interactions with God, uh, if you're going to believe this is God. Uh, verse 3, dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. So it's um, it, it, according to the narrative, the same deity that showed up for Abraham uh, previously is now showing up for his son Isaac and sort of um, making an agreement with him, a covenant with him um with where he's going to live and the sort of path he's going to take and i'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven i'll give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations on the earth of the earth shall be blessed so um many people who are christians will look for old testament verses that point to um christ jesus point to the coming so that it'll sort of buttress the case of looking for a savior, the savior in the Old Testament so that when he appears in the new, it all makes sense. So people will do that. And um, people believe that this is one of the verses that points to the savior coming, that it's through Abraham's bloodline, which eventually includes Jesus. Um, that that's the blessing that all nations are uh, have a chance to receive because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So now that's an interesting thing uh, that um, Abraham kept all these commandments, statutes, and laws when those hadn't even been given yet. To me, that seems to say that almost certainly some of these verses are written retrospectively or at least retrospectively um edited to have parts added to them because there have not even been the ten commandments given yet so what commandments and statutes and laws is it that abraham is supposedly keeping 
it doesn't quite make sense. Verse six. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So um, Isaac um, is deciding, okay, I'll stay in the land if that's what's going to bless me. Verse seven. And the men of the place asked about his wife, and he said, "She's my sister." For he was afraid to say she's my wife because he thought lest the men of the place kill him, he's saying, for Rebecca because she's beautiful to behold. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, it's no wonder just a few verses ago, chapters ago, we could read in Genesis chapter 20 where Abimelech is mentioned before and his daddy, Abraham, Isaac's father, encounters Abimelech and does uh, almost word for word the exact same action of lying about who his wife is out of fear that the people he's interacting with are just that barbarous and uncivilized that they'd kill him to take his wife. Now, remember when Abraham was doing that, uh, went through that, I believe his wife was about 90 years old. So if that makes sense to you, I know times change, beauty standards change, all of that changes. Um, so keep that in mind. But you see one thing that hasn't changed in their own bloodline, that same sort of, by modern standards, simpish behavior. It's very cowardly to let your wife face all the danger uh, so that you can be safe. Most people in modern times would not think of that as cool, kosher, or chivalrous. Um, but, you know, times change. Verse 8, now it came to pass when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. So now we see that Abimelech, if it is the same one or not, the position that he plays is the king. It's like being the president, the ruler of the area. And he sees now, um, over time, that clearly they're not siblings. Uh, but even if they are, clearly they're more than siblings. They're um intimately involved with each other. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously she is your wife, so how could you say she's my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest he, he's saying, die on account of her. So again, not very uh, brave and chivalrous uh, on his account, um, on his part, to let his wife face danger, danger so that he, just in case, he might face some danger. Um, let her go ahead and face it instead. And to assume that the people, the foreigners, the people he's uh, living among are the wicked ones who would be um, like that seems a whole lot like how conservative, so-called conservative, Republican-leaning, right-wing people in America project all of their own worst behavior onto uh, their opponents. And it seems, for whatever reason, it keeps working. Or whether it be election fraud or anything else, they just keep saying, oh, that's what they're doing when all along they're the ones doing it. It makes no sense that it keeps working, and yet it keeps working. Um, so that's what he's doing. He's uh, projecting his own sort of character flaws by modern standards onto the people he's around and letting his wife bear the brunt of it almost exactly like his father before him did. Um, and Abimelech said, what is this you've done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on, he's saying, on them. So he's saying that 
as far as um, his wife goes, Rebecca, and just like I said in the last reading, it was his his own mama, Sarah, who went through the same thing with her husband, having her pretend to be his sister, even though they actually were also incestuously involved, as are these two here, Isaac and Rebecca. They also are kissing cousins, but it was common back then, and apparently it's changed also over time where it's not so accepted now. But you see the same thing happening there, whereas the people of the land innocently would have been uh, guilty of something considered offensive, even though none of those offensive offenses have been uh, documented in the Bible so far. Again, the Ten Commandments uh, have not been given yet about lying or adultery or killing or any of that. Uh, so Abimelech charged all his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So once, just like in uh, previously with the Abimelech reading uh, with Abraham, he turned out to be the more honorable one, it seems, of the two. And in the same way now, Abimelech here is actually being protective of the situation of the uh, man and his wife and um, respecting that boundary not uh, just killing him off so that they can get to his wife as he assumes they would have. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So one last thing, why is it the deception condemned? If you, we've seen these commandments and laws and statutes supposedly already given since Abraham's adhering to them according to what's written here, then uh, why is it the fact that Abraham lied about his uh uh, the, the 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 fact that his wife was his sister and deceived someone fraud defrauded the Abimelech at that time why is that not condemned by uh, the deity that's following along with them and making face-to-face uh, -face appearances or at least it seems making face-to-face -face appearances with them and why is it not condemned in this instance when he just lied and had his wife? asked his wife to lie and then all and put the people of the land there in danger uh, because of his lie none of that's condemned and this is supposed to be god almighty who's impartial that we're seeing uh interact with him seems suspect then i so so isaac is prospering though in that land and being blessed he's sowing and reaping the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very, very prosperous. So he, he's got a green thumb and he's prosperous at what he does. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. So he got rich and the people of the land, the Philistines, were envious of that. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. So the wells are the water supply. And if you're going to have anything prosper in anywhere, in any place, at least on earth, you're going to need water supply to support the life. So if you shut off the water supply, you sort of drive the people away from there. So if they're able to stop up a well, they can keep him from settling there with what he has because he won't have any water for himself or for the livestock. So it seems that's their way of rebelling. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you're much mightier than he's saying than they are. 
So, um, excuse me. So they're um, envious of his prosperity, and now they've confronted him, like head on, and told him to go ahead and leave because he's uh, because he's so much prosperous, such so much more prosperous and mightier than they. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. So it seems he didn't argue with them. He picked it up and moved. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. So the Philistines, it seems, stopped up the wells after Abraham passed away to sort of, I guess, reclaim that land in a sense. But if you're going to do that, why not? If it's so prosperous, why wouldn't they have settled there then? Why wouldn't they? Have, it just doesn't make sense that, okay, you stopped up the water because he's gone. But if you see he was prosperous while he was there, why not let even the poorest of the land have it? Take it. It just doesn't make any sense. But he's returning there and he's unstopped them. And um, I guess it's business as usual. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. So it's not just a, a well that they've been able to tap into of a limited amount of water. They actually were able to tap into running water. So that'd be a continuous or at least more continuous supply uh, and presumably fresher since it's not just sitting there. Um, but the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with them with him. Um, so um, it's not like the whole area was deserted. There were other people with their herds and things there. But for whatever reason, why hadn't they unstopped the wells then? But what... Um, I guess maybe to concentrate it to other wells in their area, sort of controlling the water, like the way Romans did with aqueducts, just controlling it a different way, I suppose. Whatever the case may be, may be they're not pleased that he's there and unstopping the wells and um, sharing in the water, the natural resource, which actually belongs to the world, not to any one person, but you know, people like to claim resources as their own. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So they called its name Sitna. So these names Sitna and Esek, uh, Esek translated to quarrel, and Sitna translates to enmity. So it's like uh, it's building the tension between them with each new well, it seems. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over, over it. So he called its name Rehoboth. Because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. So Rehoboth is like the Rehoboth Beach here in America. It looks like it's spelled the same way. Um, but it um, translates to spacious. So apparently, or spaciousness, I should say. Um, so apparently they spaced out enough room between his people and their people, that there's the tensions lessened. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. So um, there goes Beersheba again, um, the Well of Seven, as it was called um, when we've read about it before. It's popping up again. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I'm the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I'm with you. I'll bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. 
So it's similar to the reading he gave him earlier, the Lord, it says here, um, seems so formal to greet someone that way and have the Lord be the one greeting it that way when it's the Lord humbling the Lord's self to appear to us who are lesser than the Lord. But whatever the case may be, he's maybe he's getting another appearance from, and Lord here translates to Jehovah again. Um, and he's letting him know the same God, the same entity, the deity, that his father worshiped, that's who he is, and he's saying, or that's who he, who's appearing to him now. And he's saying that, uh, don't be afraid, and he's going to bless him also for his father's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. So he sees that as sort of a holy spot since he's getting an appearance from God there, and I'm saying God, it says the Lord, and it translates back to Jehovah. Um, so um, I'm just going to say the Lord, since that's how it's translated here, as usual. But understand that I don't necessarily believe that that's the Lord God Almighty, specifically by the different actions, like the things that we've just read so far. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, one of his friends, and feel Fecol, the commander of his army, says, always forgive me with the pronunciation if they're incorrect. Um, but Abimelech um, apparently has been away and he's returned. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? So Isaac, even though he's been deceitful with them, is in his feelings and wondering, well, why are y'all coming back to me since you didn't want anything to do with me? But they said, we've certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. So uh, again, at the well of Beersheba, it seems that's a popular spot for oaths and swearing and all of that. Um, so they're um, saying for peace sake, the fact that he's more powerful than they are as far as property and livestock and whatnot. For peace sake, why don't they go ahead and make a treaty, a covenant um, between them that you will do us no harm since we've not touched you and since we've done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You're now the blessed of the Lord. So they're saying, so since you came and started dwelling among us, you've prosperous and uh, prospered and um, done very well for yourself. And we could have jacked you for that stuff or could have made trouble for you for all that you have or, you know, could have robbed you or whatever. But we didn't do that. So for the sake of us doing what we're supposed to do anyway and not taking advantage of you, they're saying, why don't we go ahead and make a covenant between us? Now, that could be part of it. Part of it could also be they see he's kind of treacherous and so was his father as far as being honest. They both lied about who their own wives are. Their own baby mamas have lied about them. So that would give me pause about how trustworthy you could be with a person also if they're willing to do that in that situation. So they're recognizing though that whatever the case may be, even with their deceptions, they're still managing to be blessed. So they're like, so, they're like, so let's have an agreement. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank. So 
I guess he's uh, in agree in an uh, agreement with them about coming up with a covenant, making a contract about a peace treaty. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another. And Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. So they've gotten a peace treaty. They've gotten an agreement. They've gone on their way. It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we found water. So they're um, still looking for water and they're finding it. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. And I think it may even still be called that. Uh, the spelling may look different than in English, but it still exists in modern times. So um, at least that part of the narrative is true. Um, but, but it was already around before uh, he, before this point. But like they said, it went, it got, it probably was plugged up. Then it's been unplugged. So. Whatever the case may be, that's the Beersheba. When Esau was 40 years old, he took his wives, Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basmoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. So Esau, Isaac's brother, also is um, going on about his business, also, it, with a mention here anyway, and taking wives for himself. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Um, um, did I read that right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So I thought that Esau was uh, Isaac's brother. Maybe it's his son. I can't quite remember. Whatever I think it must be his son, because why else would it be a bother to um, Isaac and Rebecca? Because I think Esau must be um, their son. Because yeah, that's right. He's. Israel or AKA Jacob's brother, if I remember right, don't uh, quote me. So um, anyway, that's the end of this reading. I appreciate you checking it out with me and hope it was a blessing for you. Uh, one last thing noted there, they don't like who she, who he's dating uh, the or who he's married, these two wives. And one last thing about that, that once again shows that even though people want thumped their Bibles in modern times and say, the God's unchanging and the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just like they went by those laws back then, they, we should go by the same laws now. Well, he's got two wives right there. So that lets us know some of what somebody's telling you is BS. Plain and simple, it's a lie. So, And this is Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, which is pointing to the very beginning of times. So I, what are you going to say precedes that? Things change, times change, norms and mores change, plain and simple. So thanks for joining me. I hope you'll join me again on Mondays and Wednesdays. We focus on the Old Testament here on The Naked Truth. And on Saturdays, since I'm a Christian, we focus on the New Testament, namely the Gospels, specifically what Jesus has to say, the red letters of the Bible, since they only appear in six of the 60 plus books of the whole Bible. Only six have anything that Jesus actually said in them. And that's what we focus on since I'm a Christian. And that's on Saturday nights at uh, 12, around 12.15 in the morning, early Sunday morning. The Monday and Wednesday readings of the Old Testament, like now, are at random times. You can see these past readings here on these various platforms while they are available. <coughs> Excuse me. 
or on my website if you're an adult you can check them out there it's free it's hungtgirl.com you can see all about me the messenger body mind spirit and soul with links on the left and find out about the past readings and even read along with me in some cases uh, with the spirit and soul pages there that dig into uh, what Christianity means to me and um, may help you with your spiritual walk, God willing. So we're going to wrap it up here and pick up the next reading uh, next time. Meantime, stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, love your neighbor. God bless you. Thank you. Peace to you. And Merry Christmas. It's about that time. See you soon.